Oklahoma State University's last pro day? Check. 2023 Oklahoma State University Hall of Honor inductees? Check. New film in. Are we wearing pads? Check. You are Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. We're available on all of your podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. You can find me on Twitter at AllDayOState. I never ask. I always forget. So please hit the like, share, subscribe, all that fun jazz. You, you know the drill there. All right. So... One of the things that we have to cover is going to be the pro day. And the reason that I really wanted to kind of jump into this is because if you have seen our new brethren from the Big 12, UCF has been very, very, very proud, as they should be, of their long snapper. He's the only long snapper that got invited to the combine. He was one of two long snappers to be at the Senior Bowl. The other one being Oklahoma State University's Matt Hembro. And... They love the fact that he is being hailed as the bee's knees at the long snapper position. And a lot of you are going to be like, Cody, why are we talking about long snapper? Well, probably be because it's one of the rarest jobs in the NFL. You got to think about it. There's only 32 of those jobs available. And most of your long snappers are in the NFL for quite some time. It's not a revolving door type of position, right? So I completely understand why are they so pumped up about their guy, Alex Ward. Okay, but we had our own pro day. And the reason I didn't dive into it yesterday is because nothing really necessarily jumped off the page um, that was insanely exciting, except for Matt Hembro. Yes, he's the long snapper. And just like um, UCF is so excited about the guy who went to the combine, so let's do a little bit of a comparison because don't get it twisted. Matt Hembro did, in fact, steal the day at the pro day. And again, a lot of people are like, well, if the long snapper stole the day, stole the day, then it must not have been that productive of a day. But that's not entirely accurate. There were some other guys that, that we're going to get to. But I do want to kind of do a, a, a small comparison here. All right. So, Mr. Um, Alex Ward, Central Florida, he is 6'4", 240. Um. His bench was 12 reps, not bad. His 40 time was a 5.09, and that was very, very, very talked about in a lot of publications, right? So for a, a long snapper, um, a 5.09, it, it's pretty, uh, yeah, it's pretty salty move there. So then let's look over to our main man, Mr. Matt Himbro, who is only six foot two. 230 pounds. Well, so there's a little bit of a differentiation there. So let's look at some of the uh, the special stuff. Uh, vertical jump. Matt Hembro, 36.5. What was Mr. Mr. Combine? Um, vertical jump, Mr. Combine was 30 compared to 36 and a half. Uh, broad jump, 
Um, Mr. Combine was 9'6". Uh, Matt Hembro's 9'8", right? Pretty comparable. Bench press. I already mentioned his 12 reps. Matt Hembro threw up 22 reps. We talked about that 5.0940 that was talked about in, in a lot of different publications. So let's, uh, let's see. What was Mr. Hembro's 40 time? Oh, I don't know. Only a four-point flipping seven. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we should be happy for our UCF brethren that they have this massively talented long snapper. But to pretend that he's better than our long snapper, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Okay, so now the race is on. Who's going to get drafted? Do they both get drafted? I think it's a very good possibility. There's some prognostications that have Mr. Combine from UCF going in the sixth, seventh round, which would obviously likely put Matt Hembro in that same classification, if not an unsigned free agent. I don't really give 13 hoots where he goes, how he goes, if he gets drafted, if he doesn't get drafted. Matt Hembro will have a very good career in the NFL. Mark it down, write it down, take it to the bank. Go bet one of your UCF buddies that our guy has a better career than their guy. Who, again, they should be proud because that guy is certified. He was invited to the combine for a reason. But he's also not Matt Hembro. And if Matt Hembro was 6'4", 250 or whatever it probably would be a little bit of a different story. you got to take into consideration. When Matt Hembro came to Oklahoma State University, he weighed like 180 pounds, soaking, sopping wet. And he's got himself in the 230, 240 range. So body by glass factory. We obviously know how effective it is. This is just more proof of that. Our guy destroyed their guy. And yes, he stole the show for the pro day. Does that mean we had a bad pro day all the way around? No, no, it absolutely does not. Now, there were some guys like Jason Taylor II and Tyler Lacey who competed already at the official combine. So this Oklahoma State Pro Day, they were just doing some nuanced things, whether it be some measurables or some weight or, or, or some height. Regardless of, of what it was, whether it was weight-related, running-related, three-cone drills, it was what they didn't do at the combine, right? So it wasn't a lot. It's not like they went out there and did a bunch of drills. Now, we did have some guys who did do some drills, one of them being like a Brennan Evers. Everybody knows the Brennan Evers story, right? The guy can lift a brick crap house. He just, he was saddled with injuries. And it does suck for him because there were some people that were looking at him specifically this season to see what type of season he was going to have to see if it could potentially elevate his draft stock because he does some things in the weight room that you just, you can't replicate very often, right? And his work ethic is legitimately second to none. So he has a lot of things going in his favor. So we're going to jump into some of that because some of the guys, again, I think they did a little bit more um, than what was anticipated for them. So they help themselves in a big way. Does it mean we're going to have a bunch of dudes drafted? Absolutely not. A lot of the guys that we're going to talk about are going to be unsigned free agents for a multitude of reasons. Some of it's injuries, some of it's playing time, some of it's depth chart related, some of it is, is years, right? There's a lot of reasons that go into it. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of guys that we have to thank for some success that we've had over the years that we now have to unfortunately say goodbye to. There's a couple of guys I wish wouldn't have left. I think there's a couple of guys that probably should not have left, but it is what it is. And now it's officially time to say goodbye to those guys. But before we do, you guys know that we're going to jump over, and I got to talk about my main man over at FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book for a reason, guys. 
And right now, FanDuel is giving our new customers the no-sweat first bet. Again, that's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. So go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your opportunity for the no-sweat first bet. You know, once you get there and you can tinker around, you can have some fun, you can wager on a multitude of things, from money lines, point spreads, who's going to win uh, tournaments, who's going who's gonna to win the conferences. It really is a lot of fun to kind of see what, what the numerical sides are compared to your university, right? You know the app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at this no-sweat first bet. Again, that is $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win when you join FanDuel today. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up today. Again, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel. All right, so let's jump into somebody like A. Brennan Evers, right? We all are pretty familiar with his story. We're pretty familiar with what he was able to do at Oklahoma State University. And I think we could all agree that his time got cut short, right? We would have loved to have seen what a fully healthy Brennan Evers was going to be able to do through the entirety of a season, but we didn't get that. Not only did we not get that, but the NFL scouts, they also didn't get that. And at, you know, 6'1", 277, 280 pounds, is that ideal for what other teams are looking for? Maybe not, right, from a height perspective. But as somebody like a Vincent Taylor has already gone to the NFL and proven that it's about productivity, right? It's about productivity. And again, the guy does some things that you cannot replicate. We know what he can do in the weight room. So a five-flat 40, that's pretty daggone good for his defensive tackle. That's going to be good for him. Broad jump of 8-7 and a vertical of 32. For somebody that size, those immeasurables are going to be invaluable to him getting that opportunity as an unsigned free agent. Would it have been different if he was able to play the entirety of the season? Yeah, probably, right? I think we could all agree that it probably would have been different if all season was like that. But that's not the case. So, um, you know, an another big one that I was kind of curious to see how it would all shake out for him was going to be Braden Johnson. Similar to Brendan Evers, as in we know the story, okay? And him coming in and putting in a 4-4 official time on the 40s, pretty daggone good. A vertical of 37 and a half, almost 38. Broad jump of almost 10 foot, right around the 9-11 range. And he did put up 16 bin trips, which would have been uh, top five or top 15 of all of the, the uh, skill positions at the combine. So if he would have been at the combine, it would have been a pretty daggone good number. Again, it's right around that, that top 10, top 15 range that it would have been at the combine. But, you know, when you're talking about putting up impressive numbers, I don't want to dive, you know, stay too far. But again, we talked about Matt Hembro in comparison to the guy from UCF who's projected to be a potential draft pick and was inv invited to the combine. A lot of people, I think... I don't know. I don't know if, if I can say a lot of people, but they just don't understand what kind of athlete he is. He would have scored in the top 10 among defensive backs, linebackers, safeties. There's a multi defensive tackles. He would have been top five in, in a bunch of, of these statistical numbers. So again, do not sleep on Matt Hembro, right? Just because he plays a position that's not talked about, it's not super fun, flashy or sexy. It doesn't mean that he can't have a phenomenal career. And I think he will have a phenomenal career in, in the NFL. It'll be a long one. Uh, another defensive lineman that we knew was potentially going to have an opportunity, especially if he came back uh, to improve his draft stock and 
It just it didn't happen. For whatever reason, Sione Asi decided not to come back for another year. It is what it is. That's on him. But what he, he does have, he's already over 300 pounds, right? So at six foot one, 303 pounds, that's, again, not the ideal height that you may be looking for, but you can't throw around that kind of weight and still run a 5-1-40 with a 27-and-a-half vertical, 7-10 broad jump, 26 reps on the bench was actually very, very good. It would have ranked him uh, in the top 15 for defensive linemen as well. Tanner Brown had a pretty good day. Uh, one of the benefits for Tanner Brown is also beneficial for somebody like a Matt Hembro. So Matt Hembro has done some workouts with some NFL teams. There are a couple of NFL teams that are very, very, very interested in him as it sits right now. Well, there are some people that are interested in Tanner Brown. So the reason it worked out very well for them at this pro day was they got to work out together. So, there were some people who were pretty high on Tanner Brown who weren't necessarily super high on Matt Hembro that got to see what Matt Hembro could do. And, and the same in return, right? There were some guys that were super high on Matt Hembro, didn't really know a lot about Tanner Brown that were able to see what Tanner Brown could do. So he's going to have an opportunity as well. Will it be, you know, NFL carving out type of role? It's very, very probable that that's not exactly the case. Um, but again, you know, with it being Oshu's last pro day, it's going to be fun to look back and see what some of these guys were able to do. Uh, I know Brock Martin focused heavily on the on-field drills, heavily on the 40, things of that nature. He did shave down a little bit of weight. I know his 4.8 40 time was not what he was looking for. He was hoping to be in the 4.7 range, uh, but it is what it is. He's another guy that's going to get the opportunity uh, as an unsigned free agent with an almost 31-inch vertical. He put a 17 on the bench press. I know he was very, very, very disappointed in that. Because, uh, I mean, he talked about it, but it is what it is, right? He shouldn't stress too much. Uh, and then somebody that we know has always been a standout in the spring has been C.J. Tate. C.J. Tate being 5'11", 192 pounds, is it going to help hurt him? Who knows? 4'6", 40, is it going to help hurt him? Who knows? He did put him up some some pretty good numbers as far as vertical, 38 and a half, uh, 10, 7 broad jump, uh, 13 on the bench press. So he did some things that's going to get him some looks, uh, but, you know, he really didn't get the opportunity at Oklahoma State because we were so loaded at wide receiver. It is what it is. We'll see if he gets that opportunity. And again, we talked about Jason Taylor. He did quite a few, quite a few things already at the combine. So he just really needed to get some of the measurable stuff here. And it's the same for Tyler Lacey, except for a little bit in, in reverse. But that's, you know, that's the thing about it being the last pro day. Are we going to look back? and say, you know, Sione Asi should have came back for another year, or is he going to carve out a nice little role for himself? We don't know. Lamont Bishop, I think he definitely, 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 definitely should have came back. It's going to suck not seeing him on the field because I think this would have been a good opportunity for him. But immeasurable, 6'2", 235, 236, playing that linebacker role, 4'6", 40, 31 and a half inch vertical, excuse me, 9'2", broad jump, 16 bench press. Those are pretty daggone good numbers for a linebacker. So, is he going to get a look somewhere? Yes, probably. Should he have stayed another year? Yeah, probably. But we, we don't know. And that's the beauty of this, guys. That's, that's why I bring up it being Oshu's last pro day. Is we can look back on this day, these 11 guys, and talk about the one or two or three or however many that ended up having really nice pro careers. You just, I don't know, you just never know. It could be zero. Yeah, I get that. That's fair, too. But I just, I really, if I were to bet, obviously, I'm going to bet on Matt Hembro. It's just, it's a hard position to get. But once you get it, 
as long as you continue to do what you're supposed to do every year, it's kind of a hard position to lose also. So I think from a longevity perspective, that may be that may be the ticket there. Now, let's let's mention the 2023 inductees um, because it's pretty pretty impressive stuff, right? So you've got David Buddy Arndt, Justin Blackman, Ricky Valor, Yolanda Odeño, and Ann Pitts, along with Shelby Wilson. And let's be honest, guys. Okay, so does anybody remember David Arndt? Probably not right? Because he won national championships through 1941 and 1946. No, there was no registered extra year back then. So what this individual did was go a perfect 23-0 and and won two NCAA titles before World War II. And then he flew over 100 missions as a P-38 fighter pilot in the war before returning for his third NCAA national title. He's the only wrestler to win a national title both before and after World War II. Uh, as a pilot, he was awarded with the Distinguished Flying Cross. He was also given uh, bronze battle stars, six of them for action and major battles. He went on to be the outstanding wrestler and getting multiple honors in 1942, including the championship. And um, yeah, 1981 inductee into the Wrestling Hall of Fame. It's about time. Okay, so his goes a little bit beyond just the sports side of things. Now let's dive back into uh, Justin Blackman. Everybody remembers Justin Blackman, two-time Blitnikoff Award winner, the second to do it uh, next to Michael Crabtree. So to have those people in the Big 12 kind of do it uh, pretty close to -to back-to-back, pretty big deal. 2010 Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, number five overall pick. Everybody remembers how productive he was at Oklahoma State University, right? Especially in 2010, 2011, when he was voted the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. His 1,782 receiving yards set an NCAA record. His 20 touchdown receptions in 2010 were seventh most recorded as a junior in 2011. Everybody knows what he was able to do with Justin, with, with uh, Brandon Whedon. 122 catches, 1,522 yards, 18 touchdowns. His 122 reception were 13th highest in NCAA history. He was named the offensive MVP, both the 2000 Twin Alamo Bowl, I know words are hard for me, I'm sorry, and the 2012 Fiesta Bowl, number five overall pick. And we we did get to see what he could have been at Jacksonville. A lot of people forget that in like four or five games, the dude had like six, 700 flipping yards in the NFL. So if anybody wants to try to tell you that he wasn't going to be the bee's knees, they were wrong. And if it would have been in today's age of the drug testing era and all that, who knows? He might still be playing. Uh, next is going to be on the list is Ricky Fowler. Everybody knows Ricky's story. Um, there, there's a lot of debate, especially on Twitter, as to how his career kind of has went and how he hadn't won a major yet, but he's won a bunch of other stuff. I still think he's going to win a major. I just, it's just, he's too good not to. And, and we do know that this last year and a half, he took some time off, did a lot of marketing stuff, focused on the, the new baby. But if we dive back and remember kind of what he did for the Cowboys, he led us to two Big 12 team titles in 2008, 2009. He won the Phil Mickelson Award as the nation's top freshman and was the first freshman to win the Ben Hogan Award as the nation's top player. He was a Big 12 individual medalist as a freshman. He had additional individual victories in his OSU career. Two of them in 2008, Big 12 Player of the Year, 2012, 
Oh, wait, no. Sorry. Big 12 newcomer of the year um, in 2008 as well. 2007, 2009, Walker Cups for the American side. One, two of them has nine professional wins worldwide to his credit, including five in the PGA Tour. Tour Rookie of the Year 2010, four-time member of the United States Ryder Cup squad, three-time selection of the American President's Cup team, complete competed in the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio and has accumulated nearly $41 million in career earnings. So this is all on okstate.com. By the way, y'all, if y'all want to go take a gander at this as well, uh, Yolanda Adeno, the first All-American for Oklahoma State soccer, three-time All-American, and a two-time first-team All-American, two-time Big 12 Player of the Year as well. Her accolades for the sport of soccer were phenomenal. The kind of what got us going. She's the most decorated player in Oklahoma State soccer history. And, uh, yeah, you just you really cannot say enough positive things um, about her. 2006 Big 12 Conference Co-Player of the Year, Central Region Player of the Year, after recording five goals and eight assists as a junior in 2007. Adenio was a second-team All-American by Soccer Buzz after finishing the season with seven goals and three assists. They also had her pegged as one of the, the 14 Player of the Year finalists. She capped off her career with her best season in 2008 as she set the OSU single-season record with 16 goals, 37 points. Both of those led the Big 12, set a score record by scoring goals in seven consecutive games, and was named the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year following her senior season. She was named All-American by four different outlets and was a first team by three of those. She was a finalist for the two player of the year awards and was one of 15 semifinalists for the Herman trophy given nation's top collegiate soccer player. Then we got Ann Pitts who was a legend in the Oklahoma state women's game for golf. She coached at Oklahoma state university for 24 years, 2008 inductee into the Oklahoma golf hall of fame, 1995 inductee into the national golf coaches association hall of fame, 15 time conference title champion, and uh, she also had, what, 56 wins um, for a team. Big 12 Coach of the Year following the 97 and 8 seasons, again in 1988, 1999. Inducted into the 1995 as a member of the National Golf Coaches Association Hall of Fame. She was selected as the West Region Coach of the Year in 87, 89, 92, 99, and 81. Pitts was also chosen to be the NCAA coach for the women's team in Tokyo as they took on a team of Japanese all-stars in the Yamagata Shield Collegiate Golf Tournament. During her time in Oklahoma State, she collected 19 All-Americans, highlighted by first-teamers Val Skinner, Robin Hood, Ava Dalhoff, Marnia McGuire, Stephanie Martin, and Maria Bowden. She also coached 15 All-American scholars and directed many of her players into the professional ranks. Shelby Wilson is uh, also mentioned in here as Olympic gold medalist, two-time All-American, two-time team champion, 1982 inductee into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. Um, dealt with a bunch of injuries, I guess, very early on, and then battled through a lot to end up getting the gold medal in the shadow ruins of Rome's ancient basilica. And him doing that uh, allowed him to spend 13 years as a high school and college coach before directing and funding the Stronghold Youth Foundation and, and has since become an ordained minister. So congratulations to all of those 2023 Hall of Honor inductees for Oklahoma State University. And we've got a little bit of time left, right? So with this little time left, 
Trust and believe I cannot wait to get to defensive end. I cannot wait to get to safety. There's a reason Jason Taylor II decided to forego this next season and go ahead and jump into the NFL. Okay, so if that gives you a pretty decent indication of how loaded we are at safety, you should be as excited as I am. But there seems to be some miscommunication, well, um, not miscommunication, but confusion on, you know, the, the tight end position. Guys, I, I don't understand why, right? Coach McIndoo has not been very good, okay? That's because he's an O-line coach. But if anybody were to try to say that we don't utilize tight ends at Oklahoma State on purpose, that's just, <laughs> I don't know, that, that's very disingenuous to what the offense the offensive identity, I guess you could say, has been for a lot of time. Have we mismanaged tight ends? Yes. Does that mean we purposely were not using them? No. But we've been talking for, for a couple months now about how we were going to make this transition. So now we have some legitimate tight ends. And without having pads on, it's really hard to get a good idea of what they're going to be. But now we have pads. Yes, it's a small sample size because it's only a couple days of pads. But I'm telling you all. Josiah Johnson is going to be very good. And if you look back, his film is fun because a lot of his high school film is him playing quarterback. He switched at UMass to tight end because UMass asked him to do so. He went to UMass to pay, play quarterback. And you kind of see that, right? His route running is, is pretty daggone discipline. He can snatch the ball of the air. He knows where he's supposed to be. He knows how to settle down in the defenses. And let's face it, guys, he hasn't got a big enough look at the position at that level, especially to make that determination. And without all the pads on, it was really kind of hard to say whether he was going to be able to be a guy that could do the blocking and also be a productive asset in the catching department. I think that the last couple of days has shown us he's going to be a guy. He's going to be a guy. Ian Edenfield's a little bit of a different animal, right? We've been told over and over and over that he's going to be a hard-nosed blocking type of guy. Okay, that rare will may be the case. But again, if you look at film study, his defensive film is pretty good. Like It's not set the world on fire, but the reason that the physicality just stands out is because he was that physical as a defensive end. So he's a defensive end at heart, right? with some athleticism to play tight end. And he also played a lot of quarterback in high school. It was more of a Tim Tebow, Wildcat type of thing. But he's been relegated to more of a blocking role, and he's not very fast, but he sees the field well. His routes need a lot of work, which is why he's probably not going to be a massive asset in the pass-catching department. But he's going to lull some people to sleep. And the physicality side of it, you do see it. He loves to smash people in the face. Well, that's because he spent so much time at defensive end. And he again, the, the, the benefit of quarterback, the transition from quarterback to tight end, is you already know a lot of the, the understanding of route concepts. You also have an understanding of the depth, the linebackers between safeties, and, and whether it's a stand-up defensive end as opposed to somebody in a traditional three technique. Having two tight ends with a quarterback backing, it's going to be beneficial. And now that we've got some pads on and we're seeing Josiah Johnson can pluck the ball out of the air. He can high point the thing. Ian Edenfield's going to take some work in that department. I get that. Route running, high pointing, those aren't natural for him. But let's not just label him as a smash mouth type of guy. He could be a little bit more. 
Josiah Johnson's going to be fun to watch. Josiah Johnson is what we're going to get out of what we were hoping to get from Blaine Green last season. Right? Last season, all of the tight ends ran that that scheme that was designed to utilize them quite a bit. We had Shetra on there. We had Quentin Stewart there. Some true tight ends that were in that mold of Blaine Green. They're just not ready to do the blocking side of it because they weren't used to it. So if there's one benefit to Coach McIndoo being O-line, 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 O-line guy, it's that those guys that had the year in the system last year, they had O-line shoved down their throats as natural tight ends. So maybe you're going to be able to see a lot of that take place. But before then, Josiah Johnson looks like he's going to be a dude. I really, really firmly believe it. Again, it's only a couple days in pads. But typically the film don't lie. So. Stay tuned. It's all we got for this one. I cannot wait to do D-line and safety. I might even try to squeeze one of them in this evening. My son's got a baseball game, though, so I got to do a little bit of traveling. Until next time, as always, I love you all. God bless. Go Pokes. Thank you for tuning in to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. All right, y'all. Later.